Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. Here we are for another Mission Live. Today is hopefully not technical difficulty day, but, you know, it's the kind of thing that we run into every now and then when you're absolute... When you're an absolute amateur at this, like I am. So um, today, let me tell you about our show. We have got a great show today. We have got Jack Straw in the studio, anxiously waiting to be uh, interviewed and and to throw out all of his tidbits of wisdom about our show, about our our mission. He's been here longer than any of us. It's going to be a great. Great interview, and uh, we have got the news today. We'll be talking about uh, you know homelessness in the news. We will be uh, in our ministry spotlight hitting the Calvary Chapel Rescue uh, Refuge Center, and uh, we'll have some more uh, some more talk about like a rule of the week. We'll be hitting rule number four, uh, all those harsh mission rules, and of course uh, we'll do our book review. Uh, which is going to be again, well, you'll just have to wait till the end to find out. All right, let's start with Talk of the Town. Today's Talk of the Town, we are talking about a news article that came out of L.A. Actually, it comes from the Associated Press. Los Angeles is spending up to $837,000 to house a single homeless person. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems like a lot of money for a box. Um, This comes from the Associated Press last week. A $1.2 billion program intended to quickly build housing for Los Angeles' sprawling homeless population is moving too slowly while costs are spiking. And one project under development expected to hit as much as $837,000 for each housing unit a city audit disclosed on Wednesday. About 1,200 units have been completed since voters approved the spending in 2016, um, which was the centerpiece of a strategy intended to get thousands of people off the streets. But the tally of the units so far is wholly inadequate in the context of the homeless crisis, said the the audit issued by controller Ron Galperin. In recent years, homeless encampments have spread to virtually every neighborhood while the population has climbed to an estimated 41,000 people. Okay, and I got to tell you, I just read their their HUD numbers. It's more than 41,000. Many are drug addicted, mentally ill, and violence is commonplace. The program... Quote here, is still unable to meet demands of the homeless crisis, Galpern said in a letter accompanying the 31-page report. Uh, The pace of development is sluggish, he said, while the cost of each unit continues to rise, in some cases to staggering heights. Most of the units are 
studios or one-bedroom apartments. Audit found 14% of the units exceed, building exceed $700,000 each, and one project in pre-development is estimated to cost $837,000 per unit. Now, this is a prime example of why you should encourage your city councilors to stay out of the issue of solving homelessness. And rather, you should, be, you should be helping support nonprofit groups that are doing it, such as Gospel Rescue Missions. The article continues. It says, in a tweet, Democratic Mayor Eric Garcetti appeared to dispute any suggestion that the program, formerly known by its title on the ballot in 2016, Proposition HHH, was off track. The program is producing more units than promised at a lower cost than expected. What? Ah, uh, okay. Garcetti wrote, There are already 1,200 units online providing critical housing services, and HHH will deliver over 10,300 units of supportable and affordable, and affordable housing by 2016. I am curious if words even have meaning for that man when we talk about affordable. What is affordable? Um, the article later continues and says Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom, facing re-election this year, has budgeted record sums to combat homelessness that pervades all of the state's major cities and smaller communities as well. The state is providing roughly $12 billion, that's with a B, on homeless programs over the next two years. The scope of the expanding problem can be seen in the city's budget. When Garcetti took office in 2013, the city was spending about $10 million treating homeless. The budget he signed last year included about $1 billion. Still, government's in inability to clear encampments from the streets, parks, and sidewalks have left voters angry and frustrated. Trust me, you're not angry enough. You are not angry enough. In 2019, then-President Donald Trump threatened to intercede. Though he never acted on the threat, San Francisco's progressive mayor, London Breed, last month declared a state of emergency in the city's Tenderloin district after becoming fed up with homelessness and open drug peddling there. If you want to see the net result of governments trying to solve the problem, Here's what they do. They dump billions of dollars. They, they then themselves have bureaucrats that they create, entire bureaucracies that they create, that all are paid for with those then billions of dollars, and they create the problem that they're now claiming to fix. And they're doing it with your money, with your money. Let me, let me show you what a study done in 2017 by our friend, our good friend, Dr. Byron Johnson from Baylor University said. 
he came up with, in a study of 11 cities across the United States, they, they found that Gospel Rescue Missions and faith-based organizations like the Gospel Rescue Mission who are working on solving the problem of homelessness actually did a far better job and for the in, in by the comparable cost of every one dollar that government spends, they actually save faith-based organizations actually save the taxpayer nine dollars and forty-two cents. Now put that in your ten billion dollar pipe and smoke it. I'm telling you, there is an issue there. That would be ninety billion dollars save ninety-four billion dollars savings to your state economy. Oh, California. And I'm just telling you, it's they're investing in it in entirely the wrong way. Now, here's the thing. It also went on to find, it, the same study also went on to, to show that it reduces the burden on the, on the local economy. So this is part of the reason, where do they come up with these savings? Well, look, law enforcement is not working so hard because why? Well, because everywhere that they have to go to find half of the people that are on parole and probation are where? In the gospel rescue mission. They don't have to travel all over the place. They're being monitored. These people are there. Less people are on public assistance. Less people are, under, are being treated with public health care. And they're getting better health care when they're actually getting taken care of. And, of course, uh, there are family services such as foster care that is, that is de- declining because we're actually reuniting families. So uh, what it does is it actually, their next slide there, please, it improves federal, state, and local taxes. It reunifies families and communities at large. This is how it does the work that it does. And, And so rather than dealing with the issue of homelessness, what we're actually doing is we're building homefulness, okay? We're reunifying families, which is reunifying the community, and it's building up. These people are actually going into the communities and working now. These people that used to just take from these federal and state subsidies are now actually becoming employed, turning around and paying into a system that it used to cost, that it used to cost from, and, and they're actually giving back to the community that once dreaded their presence. Now they're excited about having them back in the community because they're working and they're, they're eager to work and they're doing a good job and, they're commu- and, and their relationships are better. They've got relational skills. This is what homefulness means. In fact, one quote from the New City Initiative in Portland, Oregon said, people don't become homeless when they run out of money, at least not right away. They become homeless when they run out of relationships. And this means that the solution to homelessness necessarily involves a reestablishment of relationships and community. You can sit there and put them in boxes all you'd like. Um, But my guarantee is this, that community doesn't come from a box. Community doesn't come, and it doesn't matter if you spend $700,000, some odd thousand dollars per, per box, or if it's a tent that you're giving away for free that costs 30 bucks to the taxpayer. Either way, these aren't the solutions. Your tax dollars are better spent, actually better saved, by 
you contributing to a gospel rescue mission in your local area. And I promise you, if you are on the West Coast, there are gospel rescue missions everywhere. There's gospel rescue missions from Seattle, Portland, all the way down, all the way down, yes, down into Los Angeles and San Diego. We've got them everywhere up and down I-5. In fact, they're all across the United States. There's all kinds of rescue missions. They may not call themselves gospel rescue missions. They might call themselves a union rescue mission, a union gospel rescue mission. They might just call themselves some kind of uh, shelter, homeless shelter, whatever, but I'm telling you right now, they are put out there by Christians in your community who have done this because this is what Christians do. And uh, and you benefit and your community benefits by their presence. You should support them, and that's why we're happy to do what we do. All right, next, we're going to be talking to Mr. Jack Straw, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> One of my first jobs, I was working with my brother, um, re- recovering, reupholstering furniture. Yeah. And we did a lot of work for the local furniture store. They'd bring their stuff in, and they had these two old guys that would pick up and deliver for them. And uh, I thought about them, old guys, you know, look at them guys carrying furniture, old dudes carrying furniture. That seems like a bum trip. <laughs> And now I'm an old guy carrying furniture, and I really kind of like it. So I am here, the privilege of uh, of hanging out with my good friend, Jack Straw. Jack, you are the longest-serving employee, but you've not just been an employee. You've volunteered here for years. You've done all kinds of different things. You've served in all kinds of different purposes uh, and venues here at the Gospel Russian. How long exactly? When did you start working for the Gospel Russian? I think I was about 43. You, you were about 43, or was it 1943? In, no, it was, I was about 43. I'd been in town for a couple of years, probably three or so. And I did a presentation for the Wilderness Trails program, which I was working for at the time. Yeah. And Walt was in the, in the meeting there. It was a businessman's full gospel Bible study luncheon, you know? Yeah. And I'm doing the presentation, showing slides, trying to get their attention. A bunch of old gray-headed guys, you know? And uh, was really growing frustrated because they all had their faces in their plates and nobody seemed interested in all my good information. And I was kind of <laughs> bummed about that. And so I broke out into this uh, rap song, you know, and, and did this thing. <laughs> and they still didn't lift their heads up. I mean, they were really not interested in me. I, I'm, I was convinced. Do you remember the rap song? Uh, when you make up your mind, you're going to walk up, right? The devil don't like it. He'll put up a fight. He'll do everything, anything and everything he can to annoy you. He's out to rob you. He wants to destroy you. He's a liar and a thief. He don't mean you no good. He'd even take your life. It's, yes, he would if he could. Yes, he would. But you're covered with the blood. He can't cross that line. If you resist him, he'll run every time. Stick him with the word. That's your sword. You got the victory in the name of the Lord. So whenever he comes, tries to attack you, jab him in Jesus' name, get back. He'll dig up your past. He'll throw it in your face. But the next time he does, put him in his place. Under your feet, that's where he belongs. Stomp on his head and sing this song. Ain't no devil in hell going to walk on the Jesus in me. Anyways. That is, that, wait a minute. <laughs> well, That was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> well, Walt says, hey, I want the words to that. I said, and, well. And I everybody wanted... else is still sitting there eating their <laughs> yeah. soup while you're doing yeah. this. Yeah. I oh, really, that is fantastic. I, I, I did feel kind of rejected. But... And Walt 
Walt Fixell was the founder of the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue. Exactly. Okay. Right. And so I knew that. And uh, so I told Walt I'd like to teach at the men's Bible study. He says, well, come down. We'll talk about it. And so it was, it was an instant friendship. I really admired him. And he was a nice guy. And, man, he was doing a big work there, you know. And, and maybe I should clarify right away. The reason I was attracted to that is that um, I grew up an unbeliever until I was about 23, Okay. And uh, I had real resistance to religion and Billy Graham. And, and of course, now he's one of my biggest heroes. But living in the darkness, it made no sense to me, and I had nothing to do with it. But then my life kind of petered out at 23. I kind of bombed out of school and had to go to work. And uh, my brother was a believer, and I got connected. And eventually, I went from darkness to light. I, 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 nobody's going to twist my arm and make me believe but after about six months of running with Christians and finding out what the game plan is and that there was a spiritual dimension that was real, I, I, I've been indebted ever since because it motivates me. You know, it, yeah. It's helped me in so many ways. So, so this was back when you were, you were 43. Now you're 47 now, something like that? So it's just a couple years ago? Well, you know, it's about 30 years ago. Okay, about 30 years. 30 years ago, man. I mean, that's, that's right. I mean, this, this place, so the, the Grants Pass Mission started in like 1983. I think I was, I think I was in the eighth grade. Um, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. So that's fantastic. Tell me a little bit about Walt Fixo. I mean, what kind of guy was he? Well, he was like a, he's he's a take charge kind of guy. Yeah, and uh, he he had this vision for bringing in homeless people, and I know they were fining him like a thousand dollars a day to stop the mission. You know, and they he wouldn't so stop. At, so at that time, the community did not want a gospel. Oh no, they didn't want anything. They didn't want anything. Right? Okay, yeah. but he had them out there. Had the guys sweeping the streets every day, and and it was. Uh, it was well oiled and organized, and he was really serious about the, the gospel and, and homeless people. And uh, there was a community there that was legitimate, and I wanted to, I, I needed a place to express faith because, you know, as I learned early on in believing, if you're not really sharing what the Lord's done for you, well, then, you know, you're going to go backwards. It's, okay. you, you get by giving and you live by dying, dying to yourself and living for others. In yeah. some way or fashion or form, and so, so to me that that made great sense. You know, it's funny because there's going to be a lot of things in our conversation that that will you'll say that I'm sure we could probably take another 30 minute deep dive on something you said. Um, so I'm going to try not to connect all those, you know, j- jump on all those. But you know, that whole uh, you get by giving, you live by dying. I mean the 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 conundrum that that you know poses at times, and yet for a Christian, I mean they really find their life there. You know, I mean right. it's it's really that that giving, and and that's I think one of the things that we just you know I've noticed about you. I've known you for twelve years now, as long as I've worked here, and and always just thought, man, there is a guy that joy is just one of the things that I, you know, well, comes across you. my mind. Man. <laughs> um, well, so tell me about like, uh, tell me about like a day in the life of Jack at the Gospel Rescue Mission. I mean, you do a lot of different things here. What kinds of stuff, what kinds of stuff we got you working on? Also, uh, you know, we pick up and deliver furniture, a lot of donations. Okay. Uh, originally, I started just driving around with Pete Love. He was uh, working, I think, and he needed help. There were so many yeah. clothes to pick up around town. I started driving around with him, and then eventually it opened up to uh, 
be a job. So, mm-hmm. and that was that was a nice entry for me. I've got a varied uh, job uh, history, so I have a lot of experience in many different areas. Yeah in which I was pretty much bored with, and so this looked, looked like a good opportunity. Well, you know, it always changes. I mean, the, the thing, it really is, um, I mean, when people ask me, what, what do you do at the mission? I was like, it's different every day. You know, I mean, every I have no idea. I got my plans, but it almost never works according to my plans. Right. You know, I, and and every day's different. It's really, you know, Forrest Gump's mom's box of chocolates. You know, it's like, it's always different. But it's never bad because it's chocolate, right? right. It's, it's always no, something I, good I there, chocolate. right? You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Well, I mean, talk to me more about like the the, the motivation of of just coming in. I mean, I know I know the guys. I know when when guys get to work with you here. When when some of the residents get to work with you here, they are pumped, man. I mean, they 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 love working with you. And uh, well, we got it. We got it. Yeah. clarify the reason for that yeah because they're getting out of the house and they're getting in the truck and we're driving away right so right. it's like disneyland tour or something you know yeah. so we get to have you know and it's and there's just two or three of us and so it's a fun time to talk and i'm really interested in these guys you know yeah. I, everybody's got a story and, yeah and so i love hearing their stories and i like bombing them with my story and and i'm not you know i'm not an arm twister but i, I will definitely bring up the good news that you know God loves you and life's worth living. And, and until you find that out, man, you're wasting time, man. Wake up! You know? Wake up! Isn't that true, man? You start rapping at them. That's, that's great. You know, I, I, I love you. Some of my favorite pictures of you around, around our facility are just, you, you know, times when we've just walked up on you praying with some guys or, or, you know, like we saw in our video there, praying with a lady outside of her home. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, that seems to be something that comes up in your day a lot. I mean, how, how's that How's that end up? Yeah, so um, recently it was, she explained to us that her husband just died a month ago. Huh. And I thought, oh my, that's, that's rugged. I said, well, can we pray for you? Yeah. Sure you can, she said. So it was pretty easy. Oh, to, to, you know, because what else can you do for somebody like that, you know? Well, you know, I mean, I think that, that uh, just the, the offer to do so, you know, I have, I have friends that, uh, that tend to do things like that at like uh, pray for their waitress at a restaurant or, or things. And, and I noticed that they're always telling me how people are caught off guard by that, that you would actually take the time and the concern to, mm-hmm. you know, to lift up their name before the Lord of glory, man. What an right. awesome thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, um, you know, I mean, so you've been here for as long as there's been a gospel rescue mission in Grants Pass, pretty much. I mean, what are the different jobs that you've done since you've been here? Well, um, like I said, with the two stores, there's donations to pick up. And, uh, well, the thing I I enjoy most is that I got uh, wrangled into teaching the men's Bible study once a week. Yeah. And so that's always a challenge for me to uh, engage in, in explaining the truth and, and uh, reaching out to guys that, you know, maybe haven't got a chance to believe yet. And I just want to make it as normal as possible yeah. by being myself. And, uh, and that's the most exciting thing that goes on for me during the week because it takes a little preparation, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing how things come together for me because it, it usually – when I get off of work, I'm so tired and beat that I can't sit down and think. Right. And I'm going to talk tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. <laughs> so 
I, I've tried to study at night, but I just my mind goes sideways, and so I get up early, and uh, and in a rush I put stuff together. So I keep it simple, and and I've got enough stories of God uh, wheeling and dealing with me that you know it's hard not to talk about. You know, I've had some I've had some miracle type stuff happen to me, um, yeah. just on a regular well over. Forty-something years, uh, you know, maybe every two years, something. At least I've got them on paper. I've got about eighteen of them that that, that make me take a step back and say, "Man, he, that has to be God," you know. And, Can you give me an example of? One? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, when I was when I was working for Wilderness Trails, I was going to come off the job. I was a caretaker, and I, I turned into a program director. But I didn't know what I was going to do. And uh, I knew that I needed to get down into town and to figure things out, but I'm an hour and a half from where I'm going to live, so I didn't really have time to go find a place, so I'm worried. I don't have any faith for this, right? I'm a new guy from California in the wilderness of Oregon. <laughs> Can anything good come from California? <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're kind of on guard for that. You don't want to give it up too quick. Right, right. So uh, anyways, it was a persistent, gnawing, nagging thing in my mind. So I'm driving the tractor in the morning, and... Uh, I look down, I see this poppy, and it's just brilliant blue poppy. I stopped the tractor, I grabbed it, I picked that thing, and I'm looking at it, and I go, man, that is so cool. And then in my mind, it's like God said to me, Jack, if I can take care of the details in this flower, do you think I can take care of the details in your life? I said, whoa, you know, it's like the top of my head blew off. I'm all good with it, you know. And and it went on for at least a week before I started worrying again. And then... uh, but it was a legitimate experience, and I've had a bunch of those. Now, one of them, I can verify for sure, and my wife would testify to it. Um, I was an insurance salesman, and I was driving 45 minutes one way to work and, you know, 45 minutes back. And they said, oh, you're going to make a ton of money. Don't worry about anything, you know. I'd come home, Jack, did you sell anything? No. Did you sell anything? No. It was, going, it was a pretty weak turnover. I, I was making enough to pay the bills, but the one bill I couldn't pay was my gas bill. And by this time, it was like $800 or something like that. And so I said, you know, I'm going back to work. This is not working out. And uh, the car broke. The transmission went out. I had, it worked well enough to drive to Amco. Yeah. And it was going to be $550. And, and we were just befuddled because we didn't have a whole bunch of money at the time. And uh, none to be specific And um, for that. And so my wife got a call from one of the guys at church, David. And he says, hey, just have Jack bring the car in on Friday night, pick it up on Saturday night, won't charge you anything. Wow. That was, I, I was like taken back. That's a lot of money, you know, and this is late 70s. And so I drove it in and, and then came back and drove it away. And now I'm going to church on Sunday morning. I've got my mother with me and a kid about 8 or 10, I think he was. We go in, and so we're going into second service, and Dave's coming out from the first service. I see him in the door. I said, oh, Dave, wow, man, thanks so much. You know, it's like really humbled by it and, and kind of embarrassed. And, and he says, hey, man, no big deal. He says, it cost me a tenth of what it cost you, and the Lord's blessing me, and I just want to bless you. And I said, oh, Dave, thank you so much, right? It was awesome. So we go, we go into church. We come out. We're going for the car, and it's across the street. And there's a pure white dove on, on almost on the LTD uh, emblem right there on the hood. It, it, it hung there because that kid came up and tried to grab it, you know. And it flew up on over these eucalyptus trees. And I thought, man, that's weird, you know. So I'm turning the car around. My mom goes, Jack, this car is really blessed, isn't it? And then I connected the bird with Dave and the whole thing. And, and in my mind, 
Yeah. Dallas, this is a, this is a real deal. This yeah. is a miracle. Yeah. So I tell my dad about it. Well, he's not a believer, you know. And he says, well, he is now. Um, he, hey, Jack, any more birds landing on your car? You know, <laughs> stuff like that. I told it to another guy's wife, and she said, well, did you thank the guy? I'm like, yeah, I did, but did you hear the miracle part of it? You know, it didn't, it didn't connect with her. Oh, man. Oh, but man. I've had some grand experiences. Well, I'll tell you what. Anybody who's walked with the Lord for any length of time, uh, you know, recognizes that there's been moments like that in their life, you know, where, you know, where God just reaches in and does something that, of course, you know, somebody can go, you know, did you have some pigeon food on your car or right, whatever, right. you know, whatever. And, and But... But you know, you, you know, and, yeah, and exactly. it's just one of those things. You just, you know, you know, it's what like Jesus said, you know, he will manifest himself if we, you know, uh, if we walk in the light. No, what is it? It's John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Uh-huh. I picked up on that right away. I said, well, yeah. hey, I can stick around for that. Yeah. And man, I'll tell you what, the Lord shows up. He really does. Yeah. He really does. Well, we've seen that, you know, here at the mission, we see that over and over and over again. And and uh, you see it in the lives of guys and gals who who come in and, and they come in just so broken. And um, and then all of a sudden, for some of them, man, just a light switch just flips on, you know, and, and it's and it's just like it really it really connects. Um, you know, and and now, you do all this work in, in the chapel, and, and you're teaching in the chapel, and I love teaching chapel as well. Um, what would you say to somebody who says, you know, you guys are just jamming the Bible down people's throats? And, I, and I'm thinking, I don't even know if that's possible, but, you know, I mean, one of the things that, that distinguishes Christians from, say, other world religions is that... Uh, we we don't have machetes that we put to their throats and call, and call them to confess or lose right. their head or anything like that. So um, so I mean, tell me about that that chapel experience. I mean, you, you get some quite a bit of interaction with the guys and everything, right? I, uh, yeah, I mean, like just really pro at jamming things down people's throats. What well, no, I would like to be, but no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I've come across that. I can think of experiences that I've been accused of that. But, mm. um, but what, you know, what I like about the mission is it's, it's a fraternity, really. I mean, you've, if a guy sticks around more than a week, he's got a good chance he's starting to relax. Yep. And then you can find out that other stories around your story. And, and it's, it's invigorating, really, to see uh, God being able to hold these diverse personalities this close together yeah. and nobody, and everybody's not killing each other. That right there is like a miracle, miracle. all by itself, a- right? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. You, and if you know, if you've been around long enough, you know that there's all kinds of possibilities for, you know, disappointment, sure. and people to blame you for it. Yeah. And so, uh, I like going, you know, I I, I get in the lunchroom with them because um, I like getting away from the job, and, and so I get an hour to go to lunch, and I like hanging around with the guys and eating. And but you know, usually there's, we're not jamming gospel down people's throats unless they're asking about it. Right. But at that point, we're just trying to make connect because the more you know we can relate as people, well, there is a better chance that we'll talk about something important, and yeah. and we've established a little credibility, and maybe they'll remember. Yeah. And uh, so I, I love that. 
You know, I, I can tell you right now, I don't know how many people, you know, of the people that watch this, um, that, that watch our program and everything, uh, are former mission residents, but I know that there's a few. Um, and I bet you every one of them has something, you know, where their life was touched by time right. on the road, sitting in Jack's truck going, all right, you know, we're between here and Medford and we're, we're looking to do something and just get out of the, get out of the house, you know, and I was yeah. just hanging out with Jack and he was fun and he listened to me. He took the time to pray for me and he cared about my situation. Uh, sometimes what that includes is, is, you know, going to bat for him before the, uh, before the, um, you know, the, the rest of the, the staff and team, you know, going, hey, you know, look, I had a really great interaction with this guy or gal or whatever. Right, and, yeah. and, you know, um, I just want that to be weighed into your decisions of how you handle these guys. I mean, you're, right. you're a work site manager in a sense. You get to sign off and say this person did really good That's with right. me or not. Right. And um, we used to be pretty diligent about those uh, weekend uh, reports, you know, yeah, oh, how yeah. you do today, you know. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen one in a while, but it's been working too nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, I mean, that's the whole thing that we're looking to do. It really comes down to that relationship, that relationality component. And that's why you're such a great um, addition to our staff and and such a, a key component to what we do here, I think. Well, thanks. Because I, I think that, you know, you're one of those guys that's easy to like and easy to get to know, you know, uh, an open book. And, uh, and that's been just so fun for so many who've gotten to know you. I just, I really appreciate my time well, thank with you, you. your friendship. Um, and I know that uh, that would be echoed by, uh, you know, I don't know how many people we've seen come through the mission, but I know it's thousands of yeah. people that we've seen go through oh, the mission. Oh, that's the biggest difficulty is remembering the names that change so frequently. You know? Yeah. And you get them down, and then they're not there, and then you're starting over on a new guy. You know? Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's still, it's, it's, it's so valuable. I mean, some come for short periods of time, and then some stay longer, and then they all go away, and then they're back again, and then they stay longer than they did the first time. And yeah. so there's this ongoing development. Yeah, I don't expect somebody to be slain in the spirit and cry out for mercy. I I, I expect <laughs> with me, yeah. hey hey, it's Jack, you know. Yeah, yeah, right, right. We could we pick up where we left off, and yeah. you know, and and so you build from there. Uh, you were asking what, what are the things they do. So I drive. So we go into Medford to pick up uh, donations from their mission. You know, okay because they don't have that uh, outlet that we do, and so it's a great relationship. In fact, I'll go there later today. Okay. And uh, a lot of the people down there are real nice. Um, but I'm driving back. There's three of us in the car, and Ben Pick, he's from uh, New York. He's a real New Yorker. I mean, this guy, he grew up selling... Uh, fake Rolexes on, on Broadway or something. Well, no kidding. Yeah, no, he's, right he's just matter-of-fact right. about it. Yeah. I believed him because yeah. there was no reason not to. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're driving, and, and it's, you know, we take off around 9, 8.39, down and back and get the job done. And it's about 11.30, you know, and it's a little bit, you know, it gets a little tiresome, you know. And so we're driving down the, the parkway over by Fred Myers, and we're kind of coming up on a light. My eyes are open and I'm driving, but I'm I'm not there. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ben goes, Jack. 
Jack, Jack. And I go, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, those are real life things that happen now and then. Yeah. And we made it. And, and, uh, and everybody survived. Oh, yeah. It was mission a- resident saves life. <laughs> mission employee. <laughs> yeah. You know, and everybody else at the intersection. Yeah. Praise yeah. the Lord. I mean, oh, that was man. good. Well, you know, it's, uh, I mean, when we think about what we do here and, and that uh, how, how work is related to that relationship process, right? I mean, right. think about all the things that you have to do when you're working. You, you, have to, you have to show up on time every day. So punctuality becomes an issue. You, right. have, to, you have to, you know, be verbal about what you're capable of, but also what you're not capable of in a way that lets everybody know. So, you know, learning to have some openness about, hey, I can't lift that my back's hurting today, right. or, or, you know, or, hey, I got you, you know, I'm feeling good 100% or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, uh, the going and doing the job even when the pay, it doesn't match the pay, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I think we've all had jobs like that, and of course we don't, we don't look forward to jobs like that. We look forward to jobs that are all worth the pay. Right. But having done one for, you know, for a long period of time, and I've, shoot, in my life, done multiple in a long period of time, um, you start realizing that there are just things that are worth doing because they're worth doing, you know, like mm-hmm. doing a good job, working hard, being industrious and everything. And all of those things over time... Um, they pay off in other relational ways, you know. So, I mean, you go home and you, you take care of the things around the house that are expected of you between you and your wife, you know. And, 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 Absolutely. You know, most of the time anyways, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and it's part of what makes a good relationship, being able to communicate. How was your day? Oh, my day was good or my day wasn't good. Right. You know, and talk, talking about, hey, I'm not able to do this because I hurt my back today or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and okay. And so all of these kinds of things and then just doing things because they're the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Not because there's they're worth the trade off or the payoff of whatever money we're making or whatever we get in the, in the, the thing. I guess these are things that you learn the soft skills that you learn in just working, and right. and brother, you certainly uh, you know you you model that you show that with the with the guys that you work with and it's appreciated. These are mm-hmm. things that that will help them in other skills in life and help right. them with other employment and, and, and all of that. Hey, you um, know, one of the, you've yeah. asked me, what do I do during the day? Yeah. I f- totally forgot about the dump trailer. Yeah. Now, Talk I about it. I love the dump trailer. You love the dump trailer. Oh, it's a <laughs> right. great experience. It's a it's, cool trailer. It's way, it's automatic. Uh, right. And uh, So what we did by getting this dump trailer, we saved, like, we cut our, our, our garbage bill in half from rather than having the dumpsters come over and, and do this. We're sure. always trying to be efficient with our with our money and, and efficient with the, the resources that God gives us and, and everything. Um, and so we got this dump trailer. Somebody's gotta take it to the dump. Right. So so it was a nice it was a nice uh opportunity for me to do something different. You know? Yeah. And it added into my repertoire. Yeah. Instead of being stuck at the bait now one of the things we I forgot to mention is we compact clothing so you're sitting taking donations that aren't fit for the store so much. Okay. Or we've got an abundance and there's not yep. enough room to hang it. And so we bail it and it gets sent overseas and they sell it by the pound. Okay. And so we're able to create a little income for the mission. Yep. And um, when the truck crisis is over, we'll get to send some more out. Nice. 
And uh, but so I think we were last count was like 17 cents a pound for clothing. Yeah. Uh, 45 cents a pound for shoes. Right. And so we have all this activity that goes on to prepare all this. So right, that's right. I forget, failed to mention that. But the yeah. dump trailer is uh, is a nice. It's a it's a fun experience. You know, learning to back up without jackknifing and you know, which I've done before and yeah. <laughs> it wasn't so favorable but uh, there's a lot of mercy here at the mission and we fixed and it. in we the community it. as well yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really cool yeah. <laughs> so anyway that's I'll go uh, three to four times a week wow yeah because we've got two stores we've got the two houses the men's and women's houses yep. a lot of trash and uh, so it's a nice diversion Boy, I'll tell you what. So, I mean, truly, uh, you 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 put the jack in jack of all trades, right? That's uh, I've done a few. That's right. That's fantastic. Um, well, you know what? I again, just thanks for your time. Thank you for all of your investment in the countless lives that have come through this. Well, Brian, I just want to thank you for making that possible. I mean, you've been here carrying the ball for a long time, and you know, I I was in and out as a volunteer once a month. Didn't really know anybody other than Walt, and then he moved on, and then I met Keith. And maybe one, one story I could finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, it's interesting what goes on uh, in Christian circles. So we have a home Bible study, and it was, it was really an awkward one. Um, there was, it almost ended up in an argument of um, grace versus mercy. And, and, and it kind of was, the room was divided, and we're, we're, we're talking about adults. We had adults in the room. I mean, there, were, there was at least 10 or 12, yeah. not more. And, and a Christians years, argue about stuff. And there, so, yeah, there was this big point about, you know, you don't need uh, mercy anymore. You've got grace, you know. And, uh, and I, I felt, wow. Well, we had, a, we had an elder there from one of the churches represented, and he says, you know, grace is when you don't get what you deserve. And is that right? <laughs> no. Mercy is the one, right? Yeah. When you deserve judgment and you don't get it, you've got mercy. And grace is you're, you're given what you don't deserve, you know. And uh, there's some real similarity there, right? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to argue about this? Right. I, I'm frustrated. And so I went to, I went to uh, Keith, uh-huh. who was running the mission. And so I said, hey, yeah. hey, help me out with this, you know. I mean, I didn't have feet to stand on. How can I be fumbling here at such a simple topic? And so instead of giving me his answer, he gave me a bunch of verses to go look up. And so I looked those up. And so I'm now back for round two. I said, hey, you know, this is not really that simple to figure out. Just yeah. give me something simple, right? Well, at that time, Ken Emilio uh-huh. was in, in, in the office scurrying around doing things with, with Keith and I'm there. And, and he drops this paper on me. He says, here you go. And it was about uh, Hesed, you know, the covenantal commitment of God to love his people uh, that, in, that, entires, that entails grace and mercy and love and kindness and, and, and this relationship that's not based on the one you're giving it to. It's based on the fact that you belong to him and, and he's got this commitment to love you to the very end. Right. From the womb to the tomb, God yeah. is on it, right? Yeah. And so to, well, we got this, we don't need that. Hey, no, we've got God and he wants us and he's so huge. The love that he has for us yeah. is mind-bending. Right. Right. So the more you look into it, it's not about, am, am I a good boy? I suffered, I, I suffered with that whole process of thinking, well, I've got to be a good boy if I want to be blessed. Well, you're going to be blessed anyways if you're looking for God. And it isn't about your performance. It's his great performance, right? Yeah. It's the love of God, the unconditional love of God that, that for everybody. Right. I mean, if you get a taste of that, you can't, you can't help but want to scream and shout about how good it is. It's so true. It's and so, so true. And it will I, change you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 
it, uh, you know, it's, there's so much, like with my thinking, I'm so disappointed with myself, you know. I've been around in the faith for a long, well, over 40 years. And so for 20 years, I had this mixture of the goodness of God and then I'm going to be a good boy. And after my fifth child was born, when I was 45, I lost all connection with my foundation in theology. Okay. It was being tested. Both my wife and I were crying over the thing because, you know, we already had four kids. And now we're signed up for another 18-year stint, you know. And, and not that I don't love babies, but what, what about me? You know, I mean, how am I going to do this? You know, it's all about me. <laughs> and I'm worried and freaking out and all that rest. So, so the preacher, I went to see Pastor, Pastor Corson about it. I was going uh -huh. to Abogate. Yeah. He says, you know, grace isn't uh, the starting point. It's the only point. There you go. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about how good God is. Yeah. And he works with us to the end. And you can fail and fail and fail, but he's not done with you. And we can, I can look at those, all of our new residents and say, hey, man, you qualify. Yep. You qualify for a big blessing. Exactly. And exactly. that's the good news, man. I, man I can't God saves there. knuckleheads, and aren't we glad because oh, that means I'm in, right? That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's good news. Well, that's, I mean, that's the stuff that gets you and I up every morning to come in and do what we do. And that is amazing. That's, yeah. that's an amazing work. Jack, I really appreciate you, man. I appreciate well, you coming in. I appreciate Always you, Brian. Been. You carry Love the ball. Love working with yeah. you, man. Well, you, you're, you know, you're doing the front lines, man. You're down there doing it every day, day in and day out. And yeah, that's, but uh, it's not that cool work. Well, you know, you got to keep it together a little bit, but... Uh, it's stimulating, and I, I love it, so it's fun for me. Well, you're a blessing, man. You're, you're a total blessing. Coming up next, man, we've got our ministry spotlight with uh, Calvary Chapel. Check it out. Hi, I'm Troy Wickland. I'm the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Grants Pass. Well, the primary goal of the ministry we were speaking about, the Refuge Center, is really twofold. With the food pantry that we have there, we want to meet the, uh, the physical needs of those less fortunate, and then also at the same time just to spread the gospel of Jesus. Just love on them. Well, the way that our ministry, which is the Refuge Center and the food pantry there, meets the goal is we just uh, hand out food to those that are in need. We want to try to help those that are uh, not as fortunate to make sure that they have uh, what they need to eat. And also we're going to be starting uh, a clothing pantry also. I think it's very important to meet the physical needs of individuals, but more important to me is to meet the spiritual needs of them. So with the individuals that are coming through the uh, refuge center and the, and the food pantry, we are definitely making uh, it known if they ask uh, just the love of God and how he loves on people, how he loves on us, and how he changes us. Man, Pastor Troy is so cool out there at Calvary Chapel here in Grants Pass. Okay, so now it is time for the Mission Rule of the Week. Prepare for the harshness. Here it comes. Mission rule number four. Now, again, this is in response to all of the claims of our harsh rules here. Here's mission rule number four. Medications must be turned into the front desk. Medications will only be dispensed as prescribed. You must be able to care for yourself while staying at the mission. We are not a medical or nursing facility. We do not perform medical services. If you have a serious or chronic medical or mental issues that prevent you from participating in daily mission life, you will not be able to stay at the mission. Now, look, I mean... 
we would love to be all things for everybody, and we would love to be able to um, to have to be an assisted living facility and a you know a triage for um, for places that you know coming to and from uh, the hospitals and everything. But the fact is is that. Uh, we're a staff made up of guys like me and Jack and Eric and Greg and, and, you know, all the other folks, you know, John and Monica. Uh, I mean, we're people who really our focus is, is, you know, kind of relational and relationship building and maybe some technical skills and uh, getting in a truck and driving back and forth to the dump. Um, what we're not is we're not medical doctors. Um, we're not we're not people that uh, do wound care. Uh, we're not um, we're not psychiatrists um, and and things like that. So there's just a there are is a type of person that is outside of our skill set uh, to to do real serious care for and. Um, and so a lot of times people get angry at us because, you know, we turn somebody away um, because of the kinds, you know, who, who needs assistance, clearly needs assistance. It's just that we're not the right place for them. Um, in addition to that, that when, they, when somebody comes with medications that they do need, um, and we have plenty of people with plenty of medical needs that do stay here that we are qualified to care for. But what we say is you don't get to take your pill bottles with you into your dorm room. So, you know, a guy who comes in or a gal who comes in who's just had a surgery and has some kind of pain uh, medications or something like that, what we don't do is we don't send those up into our dorm rooms where they can become contraband, where they can be used, uh, you know, and sold and abused and all those kinds of things. And this stuff happens because we've seen it happen in the past. We've seen it happen uh, numerous times, you know. So what we, what we do is we just go, look, you're going to turn those in. They'll be locked up safely, and then you can come and get them and take them exactly as they're prescribed, but only as they're prescribed. So it's a safe mechanism to keep people uh, safe with the medications that are there. It's to make sure that they don't get abused or stolen or any of those kinds of things. And, uh, and it's also, to, we're concerned about the safety of the kinds of people that come in to the mission and their safety is kind of governed in part by what is our capabilities as well. So um, that's what harsh rule number four is all about. And, um, you know, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, we're not trying to exclude anybody. We'd love to be more than we are. We just are what we are. And, um, and so we'd rather be honest about what that is. Um, anyways, that's rule number four from the Mission Rules. So the next thing we've got is our book of the month. And our book of the month is still More God, Less Crime by Mr. Byron Johnson. In fact, we quoted from his study from Baylor University earlier in our broadcast today uh, in 2017 uh, when he's discussing the impact of um, Christian 
organizations on the homeless problem in, in America and how much more effective and efficient they are. Um, and what he's basically found is he's documented the same kinds of things uh, in this book, More God, Less Crime, where he is talking about um, programs uh, like the the, um, the Woodson Center um, or with uh, Colson's, Chuck Colson's um, Prison Fellowship, and just talking about the effects of that and how they reduce recidivism rates, how they help people re-enter into community as they leave the prison system, how they find hope and uh, and and really um, more inspiration in their life even while they're in prison um, and how it reduces crime in general in our community. You don't have to be a Christian to appreciate results. And that's really what... Uh, Mr. Byron Johnson is documenting in More God, Less Crime. It is why faith matters and how it could matter more. You should really get yourself a copy. There will be a link in our, uh, in our show notes today. You should get yourself a copy of this book, More God, Less Crime by Byron Johnson. Check it out. Okay, final thoughts. So our final thought today comes from... 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. This is uh, the writings of the Apostle Paul. He says, In fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your own hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. This idea of independence is a biblical concept that even the Apostle Paul here is encouraging the brothers in the church in Thessalonica some 2,000 years ago, saying this is the way that you ought to live. You ought to live where you are productive with your own hands, where you're contributing to your community, and you're not dependent on the charity of others in order for your survival. So it's a Christian principle that uh, we find works well for just building community in general. I mean, our idea of community is one that we are all pouring into each other's lives in a positive way, whether it's through our our day-to-day work, um, you know, the physical work of our hands, or uh, in our community in just uh, whether uh, it's going and being part of a city council meeting or uh, contributing to, um, you know, just the well-being of the society around you. So it's a Christian idea. It's a Christian principle. It has its history back thousands of years, and uh, and that's part of what goes into the day-to-day life of residents here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. We want them to contribute. This is why we call ourselves a working mission. We want them to be contributing to the lives of the people around them. We want them to understand how they impact each other's lives, either by their good behavior or by their bad behavior. And so, and then of course, we want to uh, celebrate and reinforce good behavior. We want to um, try and help point out bad behavior and try and encourage them to change their ways in all of that. You don't have to be a Christian again to appreciate these ideas. Um, but certainly, if you are a Christian, you would know that these are biblical ideas that ought to be. Uh, 
uh, ought to be encouraged in the building of a society. And right now we're looking around at our world and seeing kind of a societal collapse here in the United States. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing uh, a, a society that's really kind of lost its ways and lost its foundational principles, all of which were founded in the Bible, in the, in, in the scriptures of the Christian faith. And um, so this is the kind of thing that we're trying to re-infuse into our community. Jesus taught us to pray. He said, he said that we should pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to usher in and to bring God's kingdom here inside this United States of America or wherever else we live. Our encouragement for you go and do the same. Hey, thanks for taking the time to ride with us today. Sure, appreciate uh, the visit with Jack and uh, all the other things that we had today, and I uh, hope it was a blessing to you. Please don't forget to su- subscribe to us. If you're watching this on YouTube, especially on YouTube, by golly, subscribe. It's super important. It really benefits our influence and our reach. Uh, But certainly you can do that on Facebook as well or wherever else your podcast. Leave a comment below if you're on Apple Podcasts, you're listening to us or on SoundCloud. Um, Leave a review. Tell us what you thought um, and, and share it with a friend. God bless you. I hope that you have a great day. Thanks again. Catch you next week on Mission Live.